This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Hey everybody, this is Derek Johnson. Uh, With the war going on in Ukraine right now, it seems perhaps a bit shallow for us to be doing a podcast, sitting around making stupid jokes and speculating on the downfall of Husky football. Uh, But like that old uh, Buddhist saying, uh, something about the joyous participation amid the sorrows of the world, sometimes you just need to relax and have some fun, Uh, even though we might be on the cusp of World War III and the destruction of civilization as we know it. Um, But... uh, we're going to uh, have some fun here on Sunday morning. Uh, joining me today are my uh, two co-hosts, Joey Dangerously and Willie Duke. Gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, how are you guys doing today? I'm great. Good. Great. <laughs> Joey, we'll start with you. What current thoughts are rattling around in that noggin of yours? Well, to uh, pick up... <laughs> oh, I'm... <laughs> Hello. If you, if you if you want to open that can of worms, <laughs> I'm more than willing to start talking. Yeah, yeah, it's all. I was stage is yours. I was uh, I was up really early drinking coffee, uh, trying to trying to figure out why we hate Nickelback so much. Uh, uh, trying trying to come up with a good comparison to a fast food restaurant for them. Before hitting record, we had a 10-minute conversation about Jake Locker. I was just going to go into that. Uh, okay. So I, I, uh, I, made the, I made the proclamation that he's, he's like uh, between three and five years behind on everything in college football. He was at the wrong time of everything that – uh, you know, you'd, you'd probably take him over. Oh, you'd, he's the anti-Forrest I'm Gump. Just about, he's the anti- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, if, if he was only... <laughs> I, again, I, I, I was almost going to say something I don't want to go to. Uh, so, yeah, he's three to five years behind on everything. If, if you'd you'd probably take him over, I, I'd say I'd take him over Keith Price in 2013. I mean, you know, I always said like if you know they keep running the read option with Keith Price and what they run it about 700 times and he kept it uh, three times. Basically. I mean, they've never kept it. So if you had a running quarterback, maybe you had a threat, you know, running the uh, running the read option, uh, along with a along with a running back that, you know, had what did he have? Like he had like eighteen hundred and fifty yards, or I mean, Sankey had a had an insanely productive season that year. 
mm-hmm. and then twenty then twenty fourteen, would you take him over uh Miley Cyrus? Oh sure. And his noodle arm? Uh so okay, you take him over there. Would you take him over a, a true freshman uh yeah, well, yeah, a true freshman Jake Browning? Well, now I need to stop and say something here because the listeners are not privy to our previous conversation, and this line of interrogation that's underway right now implies that I was saying <laughs> that I would not take Jake Locker over any quarterback that we've had run through this dumpster fire I, in the I'm last just, 10 years. I, I, I'm just saying you, you probably you, you, you might stop at 2016. You, you, well, I'm just saying – you know, because he was done in 2010. Was it 2010? It was 2010. He was done. So you'd probably yes. stop at you probably stop at 2016. You know, and then okay. So I, I it all started. The conversation started with him. Uh, you know, he was Rick. Actually, how did the oh oh uh, Wooly Duke brought up the Syracuse game and you know how how awesome that was. You know, so I, I went into yeah. like, okay, he he retires. Uh, did he retire in like 2014 or 2015 from the NFL? I mean, he only had a few years. So only, only so many pick sixes you can throw out of the shadow of your own end zone. You know, <laughs> I mean, then he, he retired from all these head injuries, and we were kind of joking before, you know, about how how he had his uh, helmet helmet twisted and turned out the lights and and uh I had said the first game I went to with Wooly Duke's family was two thousand seven and um Sharice Wright uh had a helmet to helmet hit and it was blatantly out of bounds but all they called was a late hit and now you know right. Sharice Sharice uh Wright would be, you know, booted out of the game and uh you know, he'd be uh, – he for that hit, he could be borderline suspended. He'd be canceled. And, <laughs> you know, and Jake uh, Jake retires in 20 – let's see. So they, they drafted Mariota in 2014. So he, he was done in 2013, right? They didn't so, draft Mariota in 14, did they? Was it that well, one? Okay, the 2014, 2014 draft, right? Was he really? Uh, 2015. Yeah. Yeah, 2015 draft. Yeah, because he came back wow. to school for. He is uh, the first on a on a long list of Oregon kids that come back to school for no fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, he retires, uh, claims head injuries, and everybody called him a quitter, and everybody was shocked, and people call him a butt. Not everybody here, and, but people at Tennessee. Well, not everybody here, because we knew. We we see, we saw how many hits he took, you know, and uh, how much he, you know, sacrificed for, you know, the school and the team or whatever. And um, anyways, so, I you know, I said, uh, you know, if he retired, like, two or three years later in, like, 2017 or 2018, you know, people would be sucking his dick for quitting uh, on all the head injuries. So, right, right. Was, well, the comment that you... was kind of the pre the pre conversation. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the the crux of the pre conversation though was that you had said with Locker on that six, or we would have had some insanely good teams if Locker was uh, you know playing around 15 or 16. 
And uh, so I, I was just saying that if you had an offensive coordinator that knew how to use him properly and where you could limit the mistakes and issues, um, I would certainly take him any day of the week over, uh, you know, Browning because anybody that's listened or, or hung out at Hardcore Husky for any amount of time knows that I'm not a Browning fan. But um, so anyways, it's just that uh, I always thought, you know, like it was my 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 uh, swan song from Dogman was preceded by me posting on, on Dogman that that uh, Jake Locker should have always been a safety. And Jake had said that himself in August of uh, his final season at Washington, he made a comment to, uh, I think it was a Seattle Times guy, uh, was that Condota at that time? I think it was, uh, that he, uh, you know, looking he looking back, he should have been a, a safety. Um, or excuse me, uh, we're getting way deep in the weeds here, but it was that pre-season <laughs> January back. that I... He should have been a running back. I, I agree with that too, but the preceding January is when I had said that he should have been a, uh, he should have been a safety and then uh, he himself admitted it eight months later in the media. But, um, but anyways, so we're, we're really deep in the weeds there. But the bottom line is I would have certainly taken him over Browning. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be super excited about him being the quarterback of the 2016 team other than he would be an upgrade. Well, the bottom line is I'm right. And we can move on. <laughs> I I mostly agree with Joey. So you're you're at number two to one. Though there's a lot of <laughs> but I have a lot of luck. <laughs> there's a lot of hypotheticals in there though of like you know, right, right, right. Again with the well, like a few years too late. Like I mean, does Ferndale or does Walker go to camps and stuff and get more developed as a quarterback before he comes into college? Because I think he was a rare throwback and being from Ferndale, you, you just don't see high school quarterbacks. High school quarterbacks, he's like a guy who, you know, back in the day comes out who didn't really throw the ball at a high school. Like, uh, and that's just, at his time, that wasn't a thing anymore. So he had to completely learn how to be a quarterback. And then we've talked about it before, I think, on the podcast. Like, does the offensive coordinator realize to like, oh, let's use Locker like Tebow or like, you know, like, more of a true running quarterback than running like the weird fucking spread that Lapano or whoever he had run. But uh, like, like the thing that no, University of Washington sports never get credit for of like a 20 year running thing of the football and basketball programs, you know, putting the kids in the positions that's best for them to have like a pro career and their career uh, in the sacrifice of just winning college games, uh, you know, that never gets never gets positively brought up about the program. Uh, basketball has done a ton of it too, where, you know, they don't just, you know, Locker, it, it easily could have put Locker as like a, a running quarterback and r- ruined him, his body more so. Uh, but by doing what they did, they really helped him out with the draft. Uh, but we don't need, that's a long tangent. Well, I mean, it could be its own podcast or series of podcasts, but I mean, you could say it helped him out from the standpoint that he got drafted number seven overall and um, presumably made enough money for him and his family to be secure for the rest of his life. So from that standpoint, yeah. you could say it was yeah. a big success. But was it, was it great you know, I don't, yeah. but I don't think, um, 
this is just my take, so I could be wrong. I want to emphasize that. But, like, I don't, I don't think his heart was ever really fully in it as he got deeper into his college career. And by the time he was in Tennessee, I think he was looking for the exit probably by, by the end of his rookie year. He just – his heart wasn't in it and he wasn't enjoying it. Uh, I remember I made a similar comment about um, – about Chris Peterson, and I was derided on Hardcore Husky for it, where, uh, uh, where I said he was burned out, and I was guessing that he was having conversations in the background about maybe setting it up for Lake to take over or whatever, and um, and then that happened. And so it's possible that I'm right. It's possible that I'm wrong. But uh, I always thought that his heart wasn't in it, and it was not a surprise to me at all when he uh, when he retired early. So, Yeah, I I think so. I think both him or Peterson are genuine guys. Uh, and yes. I think it's kind of, can kind of, kind of be hard when you're genuine, you know, I don't know Jake Luck personally, uh, but I think Peterson's a good person. And I think kind of, kind of be hard when you start to face the harsh, the harshness where you're going to have to really kind of be a piece of shit to <laughs> succeed or be a psycho. And you're like, I don't really want to do that. Uh, and I think Locker, did we ever talk in the podcast about reading the, the Yelp reviews of Locker's gym in Ferndale? <laughs> No, I I haven't even heard of that. <laughs> you guys no, are wait. laughing. I hope people haven't been jerks about it. Uh, no, uh, it's, so uh, his thing is he owns like a farm up there, I think, and I think he has more than enough money to live comfortably for generations, hopefully. But he owns like a gym in Ferndale, at least used to. And I curiosity right. one day, I like I I googled it, and there was like a, like two or three Yelp reviews, and one of them. Uh, with like one star, it's like this is actually a pretty good gym, but they blast praise music, uh, and they won't change the station, and like I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sounds all right. <laughs> oh man! You know, I I interviewed him once, uh, and this would have been two thousand and six, probably in November. Uh, if you go to Dogman, you will find the uh, find the interview under the uh, byline of Chris Fetters now, because <laughs> um, all my articles were changed to Chris Fetters' name by by Kim Grinnells. Um, right. And AZ Duck still tells me, uh, well, it was a few it was over a year ago now, but he told me I still need to sue for that. But um, whatever. But um, uh, but I remember at the towards the end of the interview, and I was saying um, I was trying to I was always trying to do something that would show the athletes in a different light or do something different from what you know the Seattle Times would do or whatever. And, and I just remember saying, uh, "Well, what kind of books do you read? You know, uh, what are you into in that regard?" And he goes, "Books." I go, "Yes." And he goes, "Not, not really." <laughs> oh okay <laughs> what about movies <laughs> you know he uh he was the guest speaker at a at a dinner auction my my uh, youngest brother played rugby at uh western for a couple of years um and they only have a club they don't have scholarships or anything but so they have to do like basically all fundraising. Um, and Jake Locker was the guest speaker. It was probably 2015, 2016, somewhere, somewhere around there. 20 could be even 2017. I I can't remember. Um, and he was the guest speaker, and and he, uh, I mean, 
like nicest guy on the planet. Uh, talked about not knowing anything about rugby, but uh, you know, segueing it into his, like his whole, you know, his kind of career and you know, working, you know, working hard and being positive or something like that. Um, but and then I, then we found out like a couple of years later he started to, I think he I think he plays like recreational rugby now. So oh really? I could have I could have yeah I could have been at the yeah I could have been at the uh, the day he got you know, interested in, interested in rugby. So, yeah. I bet you he's an awesome rugby player and I'm being serious. <laughs> oh yeah. I bet, he's, I bet he's great at it. I mean, he, that uh, would be his element. Yeah. Um, lining up, so lining up across the Mushi. <laughs> that is so weird. My youngest brother is literally calling me right now. <laughs> Oh really? Are you guys still there? Did you take the call? Joey, well, are you there? Maybe he took the call. So uh, <laughs> Well, here's a here's a tweet from Here's a tweet from uh August of 2019 from Elise Woodward. Jake Locker is on the sideline watching the new number 10 get warmed up. Jake says he's playing rugby now, and he brought his coach with him. I think Jake might be okay at rugby. It literally <laughs> crapped out. Uh, literally hung up the phone. He answered the phone on my brother, and I said, you, you've got to be kidding me. I'm talking about you on a podcast. <laughs> and, it hung, and it hung up the podcast to talk to you, and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> and by the way, I just want to say one thing is that um, whenever I talk or post about Jake Locker and then invariably I hear from, you know, a person here or a person there that they think I hate Jake Locker or something. I don't, I like Jake Locker a lot. I'm just saying I always thought he got the, uh, you know, his, he always got the golden boy treatment when it really wasn't warranted because he never really won anything. So that's well, that's all. Yeah, you gotta consider it's, that. it's fair. You got to consider the time too. I mean, when he took over, when he started starting in '07. I mean, '03, '04, '05, '06 were dark ages, and I mean, not just winning and losing, but the talent on those teams too. There was just you look back, and there's just like nothing to get excited about uh, uh, for like a long time. So I think seeing him and when he came in with the talent that he had. And I think if he, you know, if they recovered Washington or recruiting the way they do now, and if he played in like, you know, even as far north as like Everett or something, he would, he would have been a five-star recruit. I mean, watching him in high school, he was unbelievable. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's just, he came in with so much excitement. I think that was part of it too. And uh, he looked so electric in 2007 when he first started that just kind of built up this mystique that, that stayed with him as well. And, I mean, he was a top-ten pick. I mean, just like you forget in the history of, you know, Husky football quarterbacks, how many top-ten first-round picks are there and then at any position. So, I mean, he was a guy, but I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, the thing was he just – he – I think, you know, every Husky podcast can go deep and can do uh, like a ten-part uh, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan <laughs> – 
docu-theory on <laughs> talking about Walker, and I would do it. I could talk about Jake Walker for for 24 hours on the record. And, I mean, he he's also someone you talk about, too, because I think it's a lot of things in life where you talk about stuff that's hard to kind of pin down or there's a lot of gray areas because it's, <laughs> Jake Walker is just one giant gray area. Because, uh, I mean, I agree with Joey. I don't think – I think the later Stark teams would have been – I, I mean, I, those teams were a little bit closer to breaking through, uh, particularly like 2013 than I think people remember. Uh, I, I think they would have been, you know, teams that could have at least competed for Pac-12 championships. And I think if they would have had them on the Peterson teams, I think they, you know, those teams get like another level up. So, I mean, Jake Locker, he's also a Northwest League guy. So, obviously, uh, me and... Joey Dangerously and Wooly Dube's family are, are always going to do hard on uh, Jake Walker because <laughs> he's a he's a Ferndale guy. Uh, and so it's like if you guys if you guys started ganging up on Duke Clench, I would get all defensive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was. I can't remember if you mentioned it on the podcast too. Like Ferndale was, had such a mystique that uh, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, still in like the mid two thousands. Well, there was a thing where we had never beaten Ferndale uh, in football at C.J. Woolley, which C.J. Woolley wasn't a terrible football program either, had never beat Ferndale at any level. And they, they joined the league like 25, in like 1980 or something. Like C.J. Woolley, like the freshman team and the JV team had also like never beaten a Ferndale, on the varsity level too, had never beaten a Ferndale team. Like, so Jake Walker is always going to have that mystique. They, they, won in, that. they won in like 1990, um, or 91, um, that was like Cam Cleland was like a sophomore. They won one game against Ferndale, and then it went like 25 years without beating Ferndale. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe yeah. a Notre Dame. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll go, we'll go hard on Jake Locker. I mean, uh, I think it's also cool. We're going to see less and less of it of, you know, big-time college football guys in Washington that come from, like, real schools. I I hate the fact that now everyone comes from a private school. uh, There's, Mm. like, no real connection. I I miss the days when guys played for, like, fucking Kentwood, uh, you know, and we had guys actually coming out of where they're from and, you know, not just a bunch of private schools and seven-on-sevens. Jake Locker was a real dude. Uh, There's there's a state championship game. I'm going deep high school, Jake (laughs) There's a state championship game his senior year. I was watching at my dorm, uh, and shoot, I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been Bellevue, and Bellevue was at the height of power. And he almost, he almost single-handedly beat Bellevue. Uh, Kennedy, was it Kennedy or Bellevue? Or Kentwood? Bellevue, they, I think Bellevue they played in the uh, – I think they might have played them early in the play. Or maybe Kennedy beat Bellevue. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was like – I want to say that was – Right before or after, was it after they beat um, De La Salle? Like Bellevue beat De La Salle, and I think it was uh, like the same year. I think it was Bellevue, and Locker. His next best player was a guy named Rocky Sandusky, who was like a five eight like white receiver, and it was Jake Locker versus the Bellevue team, which was like the nationally like top five, top ten team, and he basically was like. He got them like 40 yards away from beating them. Uh, and the most amazing part, too, was like 
Bellevue oh, wait, like, that kicked was off. Junior, uh, ju- his junior year, junior. I think they lost junior. to Bellevue. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was his junior year. And, like, the craziest play is, like, <clears throat> Bellevue kicked off with, like, five seconds left in the half. And, like, Locker took it took it and, like, almost returned it for a touchdown, uh, like, as the half was expiring uh, against, like, the whole entire Bellevue team by himself with, like, yeah, like, 5'8", like, 5'9", 205-pound Bellevue lineman blocking for him. So, I, I, I'm ending my Jake Locker uh, <laughs> dugging and, and getting super minutiaed right now. So, I'm, I'm done. I'll, I'll stop wasting all our time. Bellevue 31, Ferndale 28. That was it. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was a yeah. great fucking high school football game. Like if you ever <laughs> yeah. if you ever dying to watch like a good Last of the Mohicans high school football game, you know, Hoosiers, Ferndale Ferndale Factory and fucking farm kids against, you know, a, a recruited, you know, rich kid fucking school running uh that is the game, you know, varsity blues, uh uh Friday night lights, that's the hell of a game. Well, even the next year uh, when they beat Kennedy in the state championship. Uh, no, I think it was Prosser. Maybe, was it Prosser? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe they beat Kennedy in a, in a playoff game before it or something. I think they did. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, they uh, they they beat Kennedy at some point, and uh, you know, because Nate Williams was on Kennedy. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and it was it was like oh Jesus. You know this this guy is going to be playing. I, I thought Nate Williams was going to play running back for Washington or whatever, and I was like, I was like, holy shit! You know we're going to have this guy in the backfield and then this guy playing quarterback. Like, wow. Um, Sem- state semifinal, they beat Kennedy Catholic forty-one to thirteen. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was like all Jake, and like he was like a man a man amongst boys that that whole season it's yeah we're doing hard i i i'll i'll do a little segue <laughs> remember when uh remember when uh you know they were talking about uh jake um developing as a quarterback and and they were like hey how can you uh how can you develop as a quarterback when your uh your offensive coordinator uh tim lapano uh he he played running back they don't really have a true quarterback on the on the coaching staff and then segue to today, uh, we have Ryan Grubb. <laughs> we have Ryan <laughs> Grubb and he never played quarterback and we're like, Hey, you don't have to play quarterback to be a good quarterback. Yeah. We're all, we can just, as long as we can just keep, you know, Grubb from murdering a family on vacation and just keep him uh, in the booth. <laughs> Shout out to whoever it is that keeps telling me I'm stealing his line. I think is that HB. <laughs> he'll he'll post about it if it is. I think it was HB. He says I keep plagiarizing I his shit. <laughs> well, that photo. I mean, how do you how do you let that out if you're the Fresno Athletic Department? <laughs> And if anybody's right. listening to this and doesn't understand what I'm talking about, go to Hardcore Husky, look at the uh, category page, and the little thumbnail photo that we have for the uh, Enumclaw Truck Stock Recruiting Board, there's a there's a picture of Ryan Grubb, our offensive coordinator, in, a, in an official photo. 
He looks like he's just murdered people. So, in in in, in a certain sense, it's a it's a charming photo in a certain way. <laughs> uh, I should probably go into. Uh, um, you know, we had like promised Canada dog about defensive talk a long time ago. Oh yeah. So I just quickly go into, uh, um, I can't find my notepad, but you know, I did text you guys, a a, a screenshot of like some of the notes I took on William Inge. So <laughs> you were, like, you were binging on him, you said. Oh, I, I binged, uh, <laughs> I binged at work one day. Um, so he was at Buffalo University uh, in 2010. Defensive ranking was 67th. I just did. I, I just got the page of points per game, basically. So, apologize if I don't have any Sagarin SRS metric shit. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so 67th in points per game in 2010 at Buffalo, uh, home of the Bulls. And then uh, 2011 dips to 82nd. And um, so he coached coached Khalil Mack, his redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore year, but did not recruit him. And obviously who knows what part he – played in Khalil Mack becoming Khalil fucking Mack. And then he goes to the, he actually goes to the bills like the next year and becomes their defensive line coach, I think. So he basically got, I don't know if he got run off or if, if being a defensive line, co- if it might've been like assistant D line coach at, uh, uh, for the bills. So I don't know if that's a just a lateral move or a demotion or what. And then he goes to Indiana. Um, they are his first season 115th in points per game, 2013. So he takes over as the defensive coordinator at Indiana. 2014, 2014, they go to 102nd. 2015, all the way down to 117, and then demoted. Demoted to, I think it's like linebackers coach um, in like 2016 and 2017. And then I think in like 2018, he actually gets demoted to like just special teams. So this is not um, a good trajectory. (laughs) This is not a good trajectory. And the only, the only guy he has basically attributed to him that even goes to the pros is a guy named Chris Covington drafted in 2018. um, Linebacker went to Dallas um, in the sixth round. And he was like out of the league in a year or two and only had three tackles in his whole career. So um, then he gets hired on at Fresno, 68th in points per game in 2020, and then 20th last year. So that's like the only – and no, he's still coaching, you know, linebackers. So there's there's literally no no real, like – 
uh, recruits, draft picks that I could find that is probably attributed to William Inge. Um, so this is kind know, of unless, a rich man's unless, John Donovan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I don't know. I don't I, know what else to say. It's I. I well, I'm don't, looking. Uh, I don't have a good yeah. feeling about Inge. Well, I want to so. interject something too, because as you were talking there, Joey, I, I uh, went to Go Huskies to look up his bio, and um, so I'm looking where you know where as you were indicating a, a, a couple minutes ago, you know he his coaching career started in 1998 with Iowa, and if you look through this, these well, you know from he's at Colorado for one year, he's at San Diego State for two years. He's at Cincinnati for two years, Buffalo for one year, Buffalo Bills for one year after that, and then after his four-year stint with Indiana, uh, or excuse me, I guess total that would have been about five or six years. But, but the point I'm getting at is he's not at one place for very long. Kind of, um, I was going to say like a Dennis Erickson, but that's a ridiculous comparison. But I mean in the sense of being so nomadic. Um, that's not... <sighs> There's obviously there hasn't been a point where it's like he's been somewhere, he's been embraced, and like we love you, you're fantastic, we want to keep you here. And he's just bouncing around. No, and I've never liked the uh, I've never liked the the idea of a coach going um, going to the pros and then coming back down because I feel like once you've gotten hmm. to the pros and you don't have because once you don't have to travel and recruit. I feel like then you have to go back to that. You know, I, 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 I just almost, I hear you. Um, just a little psychology into him. Like, like I would feel like, like, Oh God, I got to go back to this. You know, that's what, that's what I thought. As soon as they hired John Donovan, it was like, it was like, you're going to hire a guy who didn't have to recruit, who wasn't good at recruiting, you know, in the first place. Now you're going to have to ha have a guy that, uh, you know, didn't have to recruit for four years, and now he's going to have to go on the road and recruit. Um, I don't know. I, I, You know, that, that one year he spends with the Bills, I was just kind of like, I don't know. And, and that, that's my own I, – I suppose that's my own personal theory and uh, theory and pet peeve going on. Joey. I'm going to add something yeah. to that, though. And I just want to preface this by saying I feel like I'm being so negative over the last few months, especially, or technically, I guess, maybe the last few years. But um, just, I, I, I have to point out what I see. That's, that's all I'm getting at. Yeah. So we talked about how John Donovan, we made fun and had light and ridicule about how John Donovan was the assistant to the groundskeeper at Jacksonville or whatever, and then suddenly he gets stunned by uh, Jimmy Lake's on the phone for you and that kind of thing. And I'm looking at here for, for Inge, and it's Buffalo Bills 2012. He wasn't the defensive line coach. He was the assistant defensive line coach. <laughs> That's what I said. I oh, I didn't catch that. My, I'm sorry. Yeah, I almost corrected myself. Yeah, or I, I did. I've never I, heard of that you know. before. Yeah, well, that's what Donovan was. He was the assistant running backs coach, and he was just in charge of. He was just in charge of red zone. So you know, granted the Huskies were 
you know, they were good in the red zone, but the fucking guy never coached between the 20s. So, yeah, we could never move the fucking ball between the 20s. First and 10, Jacksonville on the 42-yard line. Hey, I've got something to say. Hey, Donovan, we're not in the red zone. Stay in your lane. I think think it's a matter of time. I think it's a... I think it's a matter of time be- before, uh, you know, uh, Chuck Morrell, is it Morrell or Morrell or whatever? Uh, it's only a matter of time before he comes back from his uh, week-long stint in Sturgis, you know, in early August <laughs> one year, and and he's the deep he's the defensive coordinator at the start of fall camp. Uh, I mean, I don't see it. Still wearing I don't his see it any I don't see it. That guy looks like, I mean, that guy looks like I can fucking drink beer next to a fire pit with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, William Inns too. I I mean, come on. I'm not going to, you know, um, but I, 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 I am worried. I, I'm really worried about, um, the next year or two and, and and he's going to get one year and then he's going to, he's going to get, you know, a second year is a prove it year. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, I just I got a bad feeling about how that's gonna, how that's gonna turn out. And I think there's a reason. You know, I think there's a reason DeBoer um, went and got Chuck Morrell to be, because he was you know he was a head coach at a small Montana school. And I think there's a reason he he went and got him and and said. You know, I need you to come, you know, kind of be a, you know, a coordinator for the for the uh, back half of the defense. So, um, yeah, I don't. I'm a little worried about the defense. And then, uh, in regards to, uh, did did Canada Dog have any specific questions, or did he just want to sit back with his beer and listen to us ramble on about the defense, uh, whatever came to mind, or? He he probably I, I'm sure I'm sure now that we're talking about it we I mean everybody wants us to go through the uh, you know the positions who's who's going to be you know starting at what position but but I, I the new defensive scheme I don't I don't know how uh, I don't know how they're gonna I mean it's a it's a four two five um, not not like the one. Um, Kwiatkowski was running, which was like a two-two-two-five or whatever, um, with all the with the Bucks. We've we've got the Husky, the Husky safety now or whatever. So uh, the Husky Husky position, so, which is, which is in, not new, in, not new to the school. If you remember, Nigel Burton played Rover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's two podcasts in a row we brought up Nigel Burton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it says here, 2018, Inge was linebacker coach at Indiana, and uh, my voice is coming back to me, so hopefully you guys aren't picking up on that, so I'll just have to fight through this here. But but he had a linebacker that he was coaching named to Gray Scales, and it became the first Indiana linebacker to be a first-team All-Big Ten in 30 years. Uh, 
Yeah, but who 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 is that again? No, I'm not. I'm not saying this is. I'm just saying it's an interesting point. I'm not saying that this is a feather in his cap, really, or anything. But to Gray Scales was the first Indiana linebacker to be first team All Big Ten in 30 years since 1988. I just find that yeah. remarkable that a school could go 30 years without a first team <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that guy? I mean, well. Keep talking and I'll Google. <laughs> While we have a break, can I interject one more thing? One thing I know about William End. Oh, he plays for the Steelers. Yes, go ahead. Uh, the most famous William End, which is perfect for uh, Husky football, is he's an American playwright and novelist uh, whose work <laughs> works generally encumbered with strange sexual relationships. <laughs> A uh, solitary protagonist encumbered with strained sexual relations, uh, and he killed himself uh, via carbon monoxide poisoning. So, uh, perfect for the husky world of husky football, or or, or hardcore husky, <laughs> hardcore husky. That's like the most. That's the most hardcore what was the husky. Fucking, that's the most hardcore husky existence I've ever heard. <laughs> solitary what was, protagonist. What was the Probably oh, Bill. Who, who, who Bill haven't we heard from in a while? <laughs> <laughs> well, he killed himself in 1973. Uh, oh, he, he okay. shared a home in Hollywood with with his sister. Uh, so I, I don't know if we ever needed a husky hardcore husky Hall of Fame member. Uh, William Inge, the playwright, uh, might be a, a first ballot Hall of fucking Famer. I mean, that's that's, that's too perfect. <laughs> first ballot. Ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ask ask Grace if he knew him the next time you guys uh, bought. He probably, he probably did back in the <laughs> the playwriting days of the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about Karen Ramming at all? Oh God. I in and, and just the whole thing in the. In the current socio-political environment, I'm generally steering clear of anything that has to do with discussing publicly how women do their jobs or don't, or for, for more likely don't do their jobs. On my, on my side, I'm leaving it at that. Uh, but I would say overall, the, I mean, my overall thought, I, my overall thoughts on the athletic department and their NIL is just a disaster. But I mean, I'm not going to go deep into discussing her personally. <laughs> oh, oh, and again, it's not like let's, uh, I mean, she's so insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but I'm just saying she's, where there's smoke, there's fire. She's symptomatic of the issues that are there. And um, it's just, uh, it's just this kind of the slow motion train wreck that we're watching where we're seeing these other teams that are really uh, starting to adapt and, and uh, try to get the best players and, we're we're doing this half-assed. Um, you know what was that thing where Varel? I don't know if Varel was doing it if he would have done the article anyways, or if it was based on our message board suggesting it to him about three weeks ago or so. But it was like, hey, Varel, you know, do a do an article about NIL and are the Huskies going to get serious about this or whatever? And then that you guys saw that title the other day in the Seattle Times. It was you know trying to trying to be successful with it without losing our soul or whatever. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> so that implies good that Alabama's that. lost its yeah. soul. The Oregon's lost its soul. With, USD. Yeah. That is just such a business 
in life, that is just such a shitty fucking philosophy to have on anything. I mean, you talk, you go through anyone. I think we've seen a lot in kind of the internet era where information is much more public and almost any like playing field of fucking life, whether that's sports, club sports, anything anyone wants to actually do in life, uh, is very hard to be successful without kind of being a fucking piece of shit. I'm sorry. It is like, it is very, very difficult because everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to have a successful fucking college football program. So if you are not playing the margins, uh, this whole, I am better than that kind of thing, that is going to get you absolutely nowhere. And publicly putting it out there is just like a fucking pathetic, you know, academically prowess, uh, excuse. And it's been going on for 20 plus years. And, you know, Washington should have built up some cash, you know, some uh, fucking stock with this. I mean, after the last Rose Bowl win, they fucking hired Willingham, you know, brought in Todd Turner, cleaned up the program, uh, and for a long time have kind of played this, like, you know, had Peterson played this role. I mean, the the program's tried it and it hasn't fucking worked. So uh, maybe try trying a little harder, trying a little sketchier. Because uh, I promise you, no one in life is ever going to get ahead by, you know, doing things, you know, not selling their soul. I mean, if you want to go work at a fucking desk job for $50,000 a year, you got to kind of fucking sell your soul. You have to do dirty shit you don't want to do uh, or dumb shit you don't want to do. Like, get over yourself. But we don't even need to get sketchy. I mean, if it's within the rules <laughs> that you could pay players. No, no but if you heard I, that there was, a, if there was a great player named... Uh, or let's just say Connerly or something, and, and then we heard uh, a little later that he got $75,000 to come to Washington. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look down on Washington. What are they doing? I mean, because that's what people are doing. Yeah, that's the lay of the land. Sense. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, what I've heard from a few of my you know, Twitter guys and uh, aliases of Fudgy, uh, you know, that... <laughs> Like, ring the bell. Everything, <laughs> ding, ding. everything, and you know, everything. It's always going to be in college football. Whatever they make the rules, the big dogs are going to press the rules. And Washington doesn't want to do it. You know, there's ways to, you know, yeah, you can legally pay players now, but technically, the way you're supposed to do it uh, is by the book. And you know, that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to pay people more by playing it by the book. And obviously programs like fucking Texas A&M and Oregon and, you know, the the Blue Bloods are not going to do that. They're going to press as hard as they can. And we're on year 20 fucking one of Washington being like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to force that issue. We're not going to, we're not going to play the margins and falling behind. And yeah, and I think they do have like, you know, there was things like people saying like, uh, why don't we just do what Oregon did and, you know, make NFTs and then have people buy them and give the money back to the players. Like, well, the school doesn't have, again, this is all fucking sideways bullshit that I've heard from random people, but Washington doesn't want to do that. Like, cause technically there are things against that and supposedly Oregon getting investigated, which I'm sure will go a lot, go, uh, go a lot of places. Uh, and, yeah, it's just it's time if they want to not die, and the Pac-12 doesn't want to die. It's time for, or they don't want to die and be part of a Pac-12 that's like Washington, UCLA, Stanford, and a bunch of fucking academic academies programs and hick schools when 
fucking Oregon and USC either leave or just be club the shit out of everyone because no one else tries or cares. Uh, they've got to do something or else they're just going to fucking go away. Well, because if USC you know, ultimately, like, <clears throat> leaves for, you know, either the SEC or the Big 12, Oregon heads to the Big 10, I could foresee a day where it's Washington, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, maybe, uh, the Arizona schools or something, and uh, Colorado or something, and we're just kind of, we're kind of like the Big Sky West, basically. <laughs> I could absolutely I... see that. I could sure. see that. I could see, yeah, I could see the Pac-12 kind of being like a American conference level school. Well, yeah, the academic, the holier than thou. I think UCLA is in that camp too, even though they're, you know, mm. outside yeah, yeah. Of, outside out, outside of football, they're you know actually an academic, uh, an athletic powerhouse. But uh, yes. I, in Stanford, yeah, where it's the academic schools that are too you know too high and mighty to play, uh, then the hick schools like I think Utah would leave. I think Utah cares. Uh, cares enough that they would leave and go to the Big 12 and probably do fine. But yeah, then the Hick schools. And if you maybe go, if you go 12 and 0 or some shit uh, with a you know like Cincinnati or something, maybe you can make a playoff and then get your fucking ass handed to you by uh, any blue blood you play. But and that's it. And the Huskies won't do that because they won't even be as committed as they need to be in that like weirdo division like yeah i think it might be like we might be like a year and a half from that happening honestly because <laughs> i don't think oregon and us are, are gonna you know they don't want to phil knight doesn't want to sit around and you know uh sit, sit around and you know hope that things work out he's gonna do whatever they do and usc i think finally is waking up and if they start doing well under lincoln riley they'll want to pursue national titles uh Sure. And that that could happen. And I mean, yeah, and it's college football is going to be like, you're going to, it's haves and have nots. Like, you're either committed or not. I'm getting a lot of feedback, by the way. It sounds like there's a radio on or something. Or, or, is there any noise on your end? No. Uh, I, hear no. Like, I think I hear, I hear like a TV or like a, yes. a radio in the background. I think it's Joey. Joey? I got nothing. I'm I'm watching uh, Comcast screensaver right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll keep rolling with it. <laughs> uh, but uh, this, I I think I made reference to this a few podcasts ago. That you guys are because I'm a, a bit older than you guys. But uh, if you the Western Athletic Conference back in the 1980s, it was very very weak. And then you had BYU winning it every year. So you would look at the standings, and they would be like 11 and two or. 12 and 1 or something and then there would be 8 and 4, 6 and 6, 6 and 6, 5 and 7 and all that and they dominated. And if USC were to stick around based on where we seem to see the trajectory of the Pac-12 and college football in general where we see it going, um I could see where USC and perhaps Oregon would be the 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 cream of the crop and then US uh, UCLA would be kind of a B school there and then everybody else would be bringing up the rear. I could, you know, I could absolutely see that. And like you were saying a second ago, Wooly, you know, would would USC want to stick around in that type of environment? So, I think we pointed it out. I think we, I, I swear we talked about it on one podcast, or or we talked about it five times um, at dinner at Anthony's with Wooly Duke's family. <laughs> uh, one or the other. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, I, I've always 
you know, either read or heard, you know, on the people on the radio or whatever talking head, you know, like, oh, the, you know, the, the Northwest schools, you know, they're tight knit. They won't, uh, they won't leave, you know, the other in-state schools. And it's like fucking Oregon will leave Oregon state in a fucking heartbeat. If they see the PAC 12 going downhill and, and the big 10, the big 10 will take Oregon because I don't think they really fear Oregon at all. I don't think any of these conferences fear Oregon at all. I think, Mm -hmm. I think they see Oregon as, I think they see Oregon as a paper tiger. I think they'd see, they'd see Utah as a paper tiger. They respect them. They would want, I mean, they would want, uh, they would want USC and Washington. The big 10 would take uh, Washington and USC. um, I don't, a couple of years from now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they would because of the market. They would take it for the market. The TV That's a market. good point. Yeah, TV. Yeah, they market, would take TV it for contract, the. They'd yeah. be like, they'd be like, oh well, uh, Washington. You know, it's a it's a big name historically. It's got a big TV market, and then they would mutter under their breath, and they fucking shoot themselves in the foot. You know, every year with you know their their decisions. So. Um, does Washington anybody under forty the U.S. is a big name? No, no. I, I mean, the, I'm talking about you know the, uh, you know the old demographics. Yeah, the old uh, the the fucking oligarchs of the conference, you know, committees or whatever. You know that uh, they would be <laughs> like, hey, it's historically, you know, we can get up and we can talk. Uh, right. They they can get up and say uh, Washington's joining the Big Ten and and they could just read off all these historical you know stuff about Washington when in reality they're taking a team that uh, has a passionate fan base but not a passionate uh, athletics department and uh, uh, a good TV market uh, for the whole you know western side of a of an entire state so. You know they're t- they're taking that, that and Alaska in, the- in Vancouver, <clears throat> BC. Absolutely, and you know, uh, it, yeah. So um, they're they're taking that, and it, you know, of course, you got you probably have people in Portland that you know are Husky fans, and not necessarily all Duck fans. So you know, there there's uh, plenty good for a conference to poach, you know, Washington, and and. Uh, you know, obviously they've already got a footprint of taking recruits here, so you know, you know, it's it, it's frustrating. And it, and then what? You know, are we gonna uh, are we gonna have the balls to you know bail on the Coug? You know, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to say like, uh, sorry, little brother, but uh, you know, you can you can stay here with uh, you know our both of our parents being on multiple sclerosis or whatever, you can take care of them. I'm fucking leaving for greener pastures. <laughs> you know, my apologies to anybody with two parents with multiple sclerosis. Um, so, <laughs> oh, we're going to get hammered now. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'll take the beating. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, but Jen Cohen would never leave for the Big Ten, or she would never lobby for that with the Regents or anything like that. 
and I, I don't know. Uh, this is just me, you know, reading tea leaves or whatever. But I don't. Uh, I think that to even speculate like that, given the current leadership, there's just no way they would do that. They would see that as unbecoming. They would see that as selling their soul. Yeah, well, you got to do it. That's what you got to do now. I, I, not, you know, I'm only. <laughs> you mentioned is anybody under forty? No, <laughs> well, I'm still under forty. For a few more months. Oh, I thought you were like 42. So, How old are you? 39. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, close uh, enough. But yeah, I, I, I know. Um, I, I, I've studied a little. I know who, I know who Gil Dobie is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of all the, uh, all the teams. Um, I know that. I know that. Uh, I know that Washington football has slowly gone downhill since they lost to Alabama in 1924. <laughs> it's been a, a hundred-year slide. <laughs> or maybe it was 1926. Well, I, can't, I can't remember. Uh, so, yeah, they, the, the 25 Rose Bowl was the 14-14 tie with Navy, and the 26 Rose Bowl January 26 was the 20-19 loss to Alabama. So. Yeah, the, there it is, yeah. And we would not win another Rose Bowl until 1960. So, yeah, blame us um, for the blame us for the SEC. <laughs> but think about this: we had a football coach that went undefeated nine years in a row, and he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, truly incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did did you know? Did Newt Rockney get fired? He, Newt Rockney never even did that type of achievement. But did he get fired at Notre Dame? Would he have been after nine undefeated seasons? No. Well, you know, uh, he he got I, it was a plane crash that took him out. But you know what I mean. It's pro Gil Doby probably just shrugged his shoulders at something uh, you know that's nowadays socially acceptable, you know, or whatever, like, you know, Gil Dobie was probably what you'd consider like woke or something. And the second administration probably didn't like it. So they fired him or something, something. Well, you know. President Suzo, <laughs> how do you say his name? Suzalo, Suzalo, Suzalo. He has a library named after know. him. It was his decision. And uh, it's been years since I read about it, but it was basically that he didn't feel that Doby represented the university in the proper way. And, uh, um, and but I, I don't remember the details beyond that. But you know, nine undefeated seasons in a row, and you fire him. So yeah, he was probably well at the time. He was probably like not racist, and that's that's why that's why they fired. <laughs> I don't know. That's why they fired. You know, like, I mean, he was yeah. he was really rough around the edges, a, but it's football. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably just like you know, I, I don't give a fuck. You know, I want a I want a winning football team or something. You know, like, <laughs> and they're like, you know, her, you know. Um. Alrighty. <laughs> yeah, well, any anything else we want to talk about today? <laughs> You want uh, you want me to uh, want me to read uh, read what Karen Ramming's last uh, tweet was? <laughs> sure. <laughs> do we you know do we do we start this as a new segment where I find some sort of theme music for it and then somebody reads it's a just, tweet? I you know I don't know. Uh, I mean, bless her heart. 
I mean, I'm not religious. I don't know why I could bless her heart, but uh, you're trying to be gracious. <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's like it's four days ago, and she says something like, "Had a feeling I picked a good work hoodie today." Oh yes. You know, and it's just, it's all these retweets and it's likes and it's nothing like, it's never anything promoting school. You have to go back to, uh, you have to go back to February 12th where she, uh, you know, she quotes, um, you know, like the, you know, this picture of, uh, you know, Nate Roberts and Jamal Bay, you know. Is there a college? Is there a college at League Fit? And it's like what? <sighs> yeah, there's just like nothing. She does nothing to pump up the school she works for. No, well, and then I, one I, of the few times she references it, she she pointed out how uh, she was disgusted with the fans. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, that was like two months ago or whatever. Yes. And and it's like it's like it's like my dear, if you you know how this Twitter game works. Like there's trolls, there's you know, there's burner accounts, there's bots. Like I could I could re I could create a Twitter account right now that said uh you know like uh Coog fan nineteen ninety three and then just start you know, shitting on, uh, shitting on, uh, the Cougs or, you know, like shitting on recruits for, you know, that don't go to the Cougs or something. You know, I don't know how to really, I don't know how to respond to, you know, like if, if you think something's a troll, I don't know, just call them out as like, this is a troll. This doesn't represent, you know, our fan base or I, it, uh, it, it's just it's just frustrating to, you know, you see any school that that could just do an average job at promoting, you know, at promoting their school. My God, you know what it's like? It's like a I don't know why this example is coming into my head, but it's like if you see a beautiful woman who makes no effort, and it's just like. And so she doesn't really look beautiful, but it's like, God, you know what? You just comb your hair, a little bit of lipstick maybe, a nice little uh, outfit or something, you'd be, you'd be fucking hot. But no effort. They're too depressed. <laughs> or whatever. Can I well, remove my name not, from this podcast? Well, we're not. What's that? We're not shitting on her. We're not, we're not shitting on her looks because I, I think she's – Oh, no, no, no. I, I wasn't I referencing very her at all. I think she's attractive. So, can we really well, take me off? Can we edit me out of this podcast right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we do, uh, I want to read a few questions we have from some people here, including most of them are their uh, donors. So, I want to give them uh, extra effort here. But Joey, I, did you want to add something before we we switch topics? I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, no, that that was it. Well, just. We should end that there. So. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, here's a stupid one from Spoonie Love, and we're going to ignore that one. Um, all right, well, there's another Spoonie Love one, so we'll just throw this out there real quick. 
since uh, Grendel Stiltskin gave it a, a to Incredible, should Hot Pockets be required to combine the calories of both portions on their box and not just one? And do you object to their using the term sandwich, in quotes? Uh, highly offensive, I find it. <laughs> term sandwich. We're uh, calling it a sandwich? <laughs> I don't care. No, it, yeah, it's it, it's not a sandwich. It's yeah, calzone. more like a uh, kind yeah, of a lump, like yeah. a calzone. It's like it's like a hybrid, you know. Calzone it's the pastry of calzone, basically. Yeah, it's like a, a calzone for if you've never left the trailer park that you were fucking born in. <laughs> Fire oh, Cohen, can you guys. edit me out of this? Can you edit me out of this conversation? I have a lot of friends in trailer parks. I can't offend them right now. Fire Cohen says, do you wear your leopard outfits while potting? You know, I, I, I actually was doing a little laundry this morning, and I, I can't find any leopard print around the house. So <laughs> I, uh, I think I sold out. I, I think I, uh, yeah. I, I must say, I've, I've moved up in the world, apparently. Husky JW says, are you taking Joe Rogan's spot on Spotify? <laughs> um, so. I already made it we, clear we, on the last pod. I already made it clear <laughs> on the last podcast. So, And they still haven't bunch responded. Of questions. <laughs> bunch of questions from Hay here. I don't know if I'll read all of them, but let's see here. Surprise, decent or good teams in 2022? that we're not supposed to make a bowl. And then he wants to know surprise shit teams in 2022. So why don't we each pick at least one? Uh, well, he, he lists uh, 2021 Utah, OSU, and Waz. I don't think, I don't hey, think all three of those teams. I'm going to say Cal makes a bowl I don't know where he's getting that. Cal uh, Utah, Utah will year. be right where they are. I think Utah will be right where they, you know, they'll be somewhere around eight wins or nine wins. I mean, that's kind of Utah. Uh, so. Well, I think he's just using no. them as an example that that uh, a lot of people yeah. maybe didn't think they would do that last year. Yeah. Um, um, so I'd say Cal's going to make yet? a bowl game. Say it again. Oh, never mind. I, I Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to say Cal's going to make a bowl game. So that'll be the surprise decent team and the surprise shit team. The surprise shit team. Who's going to go down the shitter? I'm going to say Oregon's going to underwhelm. They might still make a bowl game with six wins or something, but I don't I don't know that they're going to come out and, and win 11 games or anything. I think Arizona might be a surprise good team. Hmm. Or, good call. Good you call. Know, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they steadily improved um, all the way through the year. So, um, you know, and the accountant's kind of getting, um, you know, he's he's grinding in you know in the recruiting game. So he go, goes against my theory of not really having any college experience and then go and going to college and. Um, fucking killing it. So, well, for for Arizona's sake, I I suppose. But uh, 
I, I mean, given everything that's happened to Arizona State, would you call them a surprise shit team right now? Yeah, they're boy, they're my easy choice. Yeah, I I was gonna say they might be worst team in the Pac-12. Uh, easily could be, and they're not. No one's predicting them to like win the Pac-12, but like, I think generally people and me, you know, off the top of my head, would be like, yeah, they'll probably go like seven and six, but they might go like three and nine or like two and ten. What about UCLA? Uh, they got a really easy schedule. Uh, I think that's going to save them. They play like Bowling Green, Alabama State, and like South Alabama at a conference. And then I think they avoid uh, – or not avoid. They have a lot of like winnable games at home. And the South, I think, is going to suck outside of Utah. And uh, – I mean, not suck, but I think they just have – I also think they're just going to be okay. I mean, I think Chip Kelly has shown that in the talent they can bring in there that they'll be okay. <laughs> They'll be like seven and six. And will they bail out of their bowl game two, you know, forty-eight hours before kickoff? <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll be a new strain. There'll be a new strain by then that you know gives you light sniffles, and you know, no one over the age of eighty-five has died of it, uh, and they'll have to bail because of that. But yeah, I think UCLA will be okay. Uh, I agree. I think Cal. Uh, I'm not meaning to cut you off, Joey. Uh, <laughs> Cal, uh, All right. Cal, I think has the Hus- <laughs> I think Cal has the Huskies in Oregon at home, and I think they're going to beat both Oregon and the Huskies. I'm not going as far as them to win North because I think offensively they'll be, you know, why why Washington didn't hire Wilcox? I think offensively they'll be, still be a disaster, but I think they beat the Huskies and the Ducks at home, uh, and they make it to a bowl game. Uh, other than that, I think everything kind of goes. All the teams are kind of what you think they're going to be. I think anyone who thinks Oregon's going to be like a, they might get to like ten wins or something because they they have a decent, a somewhat favorable conference schedule. But uh, I think they're going to be like eight and five. Um, I, I don't think anyone actually watches their games or looks at their roster nationally, ever nationally. Are <laughs> uh, the average conference fan, which I. It drives me crazy. I run into people who, you know, occasionally want to talk college football or pac football, and they mention Oregon as being like, yeah, I think Oregon's like, what? You don't watch these fucking games, do you? Like, uh, they got talent. It's like, who? Like, two and a half players? Like, uh, like it's just weird. So I I think Utah, my, uh, my shitty John Wilner take is Utah might go to a CFP because they also have – they have a really easy schedule. Look at their schedule. Uh, they get a shit Florida team on the road early on, and if they could win that, like, in conference, uh, the conference sucks. Other than going to Eugene, like, late in the season, uh, they get USC at home, who I don't think US. I think USC is going to be a year or two away before they really take off because their O-line and their defense is going to be shit. Uh, uh, they just have no talent in those spots. So I I wouldn't be shocked if Utah goes like twelve and one coming out of conference play. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Um, and one more question. This one also from Hay. He really put some thought into this. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, no, I'm being serious. I'm not. <laughs> you know, he's a 
But I don't know. It's just so surprising. He even edited this post. He's got all these questions up. I'm not reading all of them. But, uh, <laughs> some good, thoughtful questions here. Will Beavlet fans shut the fuck up now that their previous season ended with bad losses to Cal, Colorado, and Utah State? Were they chirping? I don't remember Beavlet fans mm. chirping. No. No, they won't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> look, look, uh, the, uh, look the, the, uh, as far as who hates, as far as what teams hate the Huskies the most, everybody would always say, like, I mean, it's obviously the Cougars number one, but everybody would say, like, the Ducks number two. It's fucking Beaver fans hate the Huskies. <laughs> Absolutely is, hate the fucking Huskies. And and, and the Husky and fans generally have no problem with the Beaver. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, good for the Beaver fans, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they're just kind of, like, uh, look down upon, you know, oh, they're just, you know, they're harmless. They, they're not going to, you know, whatever. They're they're crazy about their team, whatever. And, you know, they suffer We're rooting for the Beavers in the Copper Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're rooting for the Beavers in the Copper Bowl. And, yeah, go Beavers in the, in the Civil War or whatever. And, and then the Beavers come up there and they're like, they're like, fuck you, fucking husky, you know, you, you, you snooty fucking, you know, preppy husky fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, in your, it's class yeah, warfare in, for them. Yeah, yeah, in Joey's Mount Rushmore of of take, this is definitely on there to me. Uh, this is a that you never hear in the second, the second, the first time you said this to me, I was like. Shit, you are so right. They fucking hate. And then you got to think about what it to me. Prior to 1994, there's no reason Oregon State fans would hate Washington any less than Oregon fans. I mean, those were essentially the same programs almost. And if anything, they're just trashier, more more hick, more beaten down Duck fans who got beat by a fucking 40 <laughs> by the Huskies for 90 years. Uh, so, yeah, and then geographically, there's not any difference between, like, you know, Oregon and Washington being the University of versus OSU, I mean, school-wise. I'm like, yeah, second you said that, I was like, yeah, they every time they fucking play them, they fucking hate Washington just almost as much as fucking Oregon fans. Like, uh, it's just that Oregon got better and got more fans. That's the only reason you notice it more. Well, you remember the outrage? Uh, Oh, go ahead, Joey. Just out, of curi- just out of curiosity, what are what are the other three of my Mount Rushmore picks? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add the the Jake Walker being like two to three years behind on like being a home run with everything, as opposed to just being a beat a beaten down guy who Northwest League fucking losers like me and you look up to, and like making. $8 million after taxes and agent fees. Uh, but that's a, problem, <laughs> a, a, that's a good one. Uh, I'd have to think about the other ones, but that's, uh, yeah, the, the Beaver fans quietly hating Husky fans just as much as Oregon fans almost and Coug fans is a very, very uh, good one. Uh, yeah, I'll have to think about those other ones and put them on the board. Uh, I'll, I'll make some nominees. Maybe next pod I'll, I'll, I'll start brainstorming. Joey more. <laughs> Well, yeah, your best. So, so, your best. So I've got, I've got slow cooker takes, not hot takes. <laughs> well, you got the takes that man. We got the takes that were just like, 
you know, deep in. You know, people, they're not the mainstream takes that, you know, some people have. They're not the, you're not the, the, per, the guy who, uh, <laughs> who's, who's a big football fan and then you're at the second Super Bowl, some Super Bowl party with your wife or girlfriend and the guy starts asking, like, who Peyton Manning plays for and shit. Uh, <laughs> our big Husky fans who can't name a fucking single player on the team. Uh, you know, not that shit. So, yeah, we'll have to think about that. And, yeah, the beef. But the beefs are it's so much better because it's so much more fun because, you know, the shitty thing about the cycle Oregon fans is losing 14 out of 16. So you kind of have to be like you actually don't like them. But beer fans are like, oh, you're just angry and pissed off. But also, fuck you, you suck. Like, Sark, Sark was mopping the floor with you every year. Uh, like, those those Sark year blowouts were like super fun. It's like supposedly pretty good Beaver teams usually, because uh, they're like, oh yeah, you're the fucking Beavers. Uh, you're like the worst. You're like Cougs, but worse. And I just had an interesting thought a second ago, um, and I've actually technically I've had the thought a, a while back also. But you remember the outrage? You, do you guys remember the outrage back in around 2006 when Todd Turner was on KJR? Uh, and for anybody that doesn't know that's listening, Todd Turner was the athletic director at Washington back then. <clears throat> Mr. We yeah. need to win the right way. Todd Turner said that we want to be more like Oregon. And do you guys remember the outrage? Yeah, vaguely. Oh, yeah. I kind of remember that now. And now nobody would blink if you said that. Yeah, I mean – Oregon's different now than they were then. I mean, the thing is. Well, of course, that's the point. But yeah, they've yeah, they've, they're they've actually they have evolved. Jen Cohen would be yeah. proud of them. So we're <laughs> we're it's just yeah. It's it's uh it's no good. So before we transition then to the end of the show and the sexually tense part of the show, do we have anything uh, further to add here? No, I mean we're we're almost an hour and a half deep. If you know anyone who's still listening, you can go William Inge yourself, uh, the playwright, <laughs> uh, sexually frustrated, uh, carbon monoxide poison yourself while living with your sister. So yeah. And so if he died in '73, that was that was after the six killer years ended. Huskies were two and nine that year. Who? Uh, <laughs> Who haven't we offended today? Um, I don't know. Uh, you you want to know who you want to know the uh, the fast food restaurant I thought to compare Nickelback to? I mean, any mid any mid level chain. I feel like that people act like stuck that you know, especially like no, 10, 15 years ago, was good. <laughs> like Outback and shit, uh, like. No, KFC. <laughs> oh, come on, they're not KFC. They're no, no. Hold on. They have a formula. <laughs> that hey, hey, put my take in the slow cooker. Put my Dude, take I'm not in the taking slow this cooker. one. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> taking this one. They have a formula of poppy hits. Okay, right. And once you and you listen to the poppy hit, and you're like, okay, I I I get why they're, um, I get why they're popular, but they're but they're not popular to the uh, 
you know, the music snobs like us, right? Okay? But you get it because they got a formula, and they keep churning out the same formula of, you know, 11 blends of herbs and spices, right? And every time you walk by a KFC, you smell it. And you're like, God damn, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get a bucket of chicken. And you eat that bucket <laughs> of chicken. You eat that bucket of chicken and you're like, you're like, I, I, every time I'm expecting more and this is what I got. When I could, you know, if you're a food snob, uh, if you're a food snob, you're like, oh, I can name 13 different places you can go eat and this is better and this is a better thing than, you know, or whatever. But uh, there's a reason this one thing is popular because it has a formula. That's what I do when I drink my cup of coffee. And, I don't know if that one's going to end up on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking it. Uh, we still have a space it. for rent side on the one there, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, does this go? I <laughs> does this go off I, off to the side with the other uh, the the low budget carvings around Mount Rushmore? <laughs> I, not not the yeah. not the crazy horse one. That one's that one's fucking cool. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of other ones like around there. But yeah. Is this like sure. the Fremont Troll? <laughs> I think you're just missing your comparison. I think KFC is too lofty. I, I'm thinking Applebee's are like outback, mid-level chain, peaked in the late 2000s before people really could know. It was harder to know what good food was. Uh, you know, it was kind of like an imitation of like a real steakhouse. Uh, there was always, like, real steakhouses around, but they were kind of dying off at the time, and people were like, why don't I just go to the outlet mall and get myself a fucking steak? Well, it's like, why don't you just go to your local steak place and, you know, get something a little better uh, or cook it yourself? But you're like, no, it's all right. So I – and since then, they've they've, dis- they've kind of really fallen off. So – but at the end of the day, you're like, this isn't that bad. This is all right. This is kind of like an imitation of, like, you know uh, – an upscale steakhouse, you know, so our, just like a good old fashioned steak place. That's my, we don't need to get too much deep into that. So I, I, can, I can, I can go, I can go with Outback. I, I can go with the Outback one. Um, Outback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I just got into yeah. the, I got into the formula and I got, I could go with the Outback <laughs> because I, I've gone through the 12 stages of grief with that fucking band to where I don't even hate them anymore. Cause wow. like, that, if that's your goal, if that's your goal, um, you know, to, um, I don't know, you know, I guess they wrote hey, it, and, you know, in a, in a shitty pop song, you know, that's your goal to be a big rock star <clears throat> or whatever, then they fucking did it, right? So I can't, I can't fucking hate them for it. Can um, I be edited out of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> When you've lost Derek, <laughs> you've lost it. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you one song they sing, so. No, I, I, I'm just saying, you know. Let you, alone you 12 be, stages of grief. You're, you're, a, you're a music snob like uh, Willie Duke and I, and, you know, you get beat, you get all your, uh, your pop culture friends that have 27 songs they like in their whole catalog, and you get beaten over the head with, 
a band like uh, a band like Nickelback, and and you're like, you know better. You're, you're the only one that knows better, and you are right. You're like, you're like, fuck you. Listen to UFO. Uh, listen to. Uh, Listen to fucking Leonard Skinner instead of Sweet Home Alabama. Listen to their first five records, uh, and and there's no shitty songs on there. And uh, you know, and you're you're the bad guy at the at the party. I I, I, I need to stop. <laughs> I need to stop. We're gonna go. We're gonna go four hours. Of <laughs> well, that's a good as place as any to put a pin in it. So. Uh... Nice talking to you guys as always, and uh, and we'll talk again real soon. Yeah, sounds good. No apologies. (laughs) (laughs) All right, talk to you later. Talk later. Bye bye. I've been addicted to you. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam <laughs> at Navajo Nation's Gift to College Football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of one hundred and twenty nine dollars a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I have to redo that one, but. <laughs>